Hello and welcome to the Baby Loss Podcast with me, Gabriella Austin. This podcast is for parents like myself to share their story around baby loss and miscarriage. In this episode, I will share my own story of the birth and loss of my daughter, Isabella Eden. Throughout the series, I will talk to friends who have suffered similar loss. Many of my new friends I met through a charity called SAMS, which stands for stillbirth and neonatal death. Baby loss is unfortunately more common than people think, and certainly more common than discussed. Whilst I would like to raise awareness around this taboo subject, my main aim is to provide parents with a safe place to talk about their babies, wherever they may be in their journey. 2020 was a year like no other. Loneliness set in for many, bringing back feelings and memories of loss. There is no judgement here and every journey is different. Welcome to 2021, where we tell the stories of our babies gone too soon. Trigger warning for this episode, discussion on baby loss and miscarriage, and may contain explicit content. I'm Gabriella, and in this episode, um, I'm going to be talking about the birth and loss of my daughter, Isabella Eden. Um... Isabella was born um, at 22 weeks on the 23rd of September, 2014. Um, Isabella is obviously a massive part of my story, a massive part of my journey. Um, and obviously one of the main reasons why I wanted to start this podcast um, was because I lost my daughter. The other things that I wanna talk about during this podcast are things that happen mainly well for me as well before during and after um the pregnancy with Isabella um because unfortunately I had two miscarriages before I had Isabella um Isabella was my third and final pregnancy and during her pregnancy I had a stroke um two out of those preg two out of the three pregnancies resulted in emergency surgery um and severe blood loss, um, one of them resulting in almost having to have a hysterectomy, um, a blood transfusions, uh, the lot, you name it, I've had it, unfortunately. Um, so even though today I'm just going to talk about the birth and, and then the few seconds that I had with Isabella and then the loss and what happened, happened in that day and what happened at night and then what happened the following day and and so on um as this podcast gets bigger um as i have more guests um as i have as i make more episodes i want to talk about those other horrible scenarios or all those other things that happen behind the scenes um if you thought that people didn't really talk about miscarriage you know, you actually come to realise that they don't talk about a lot of the other stuff that comes along with it as well. Um, you never normally just just had a miscarriage or just had a stillbirth. You know, some people it just happens to out of the blue, and then there are other people that have a series of events that lead up to that final horrific event. So I'm hoping that I'm going to get enough guests so that we're able to talk about a whole range of loss and a whole reason a whole range of reasons for loss as well um because not everybody just goes into 
spontaneous labor. Um, some people have quite a, a strong, horrible buildup of events before it happens. And then some people have a series of horrible and unfortunate events after it happens. Um, so hopefully we get a, get a range of people in and you can hear about their stories and they can share their stories and it just gives people a safe place to talk about some of those things because sometimes they don't talk about it at all and we need to move away from that and um, and get listening and people want to talk about their babies just because I didn't bring my baby home doesn't mean that she didn't exist and that she didn't matter so that's why I wanted to start this podcast um, Isabella was born at 22 weeks um, so technically um, not born technically a late miscarriage uh, therefore her birth was not registered um, and therefore her death wasn't registered so I guess <laughs> if you didn't have to register your birth it's nice that you didn't have to register her death as well but not everybody had that lots of people have to register the death of their baby which is pretty fucking horrendous um so yeah she was born at 8 34 uh the evening of the 23rd of September um so tiny little bit of backstory with me quickly as well um I was born with a congenital heart condition which meant I also had appointments at the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital in London even though um at the time my local hospital was East Surrey which is eventually where she was born but we'll come back onto that in a minute she um so yeah so she was born at East Surrey I had been uh, for a scan the day before uh just a routine scan um on the 22nd um at the Chelsea and Westminster everything appeared normal then I had a, a consultant appointment um the morning of the 23rd and my brother actually came with me to that appointment uh, he came with me for a few of them which is nice that we got to spend that time together um the morning of looking back now um i can see that obviously it was the beginning of labor the beginning of some labor pains that i was experiencing when I told the doctors at uh, the Chelsea what I was experiencing, um, they told me that it was probably ligaments stretching and that they weren't concerned. Um, you know, just go home and, and take it easy and come back for the next appointment. Um, I got home that evening and waiting for my ex-husband to come home from work, got into bed, raised my legs, thought I would just calm myself down and and just relax and, and not worry about the pains that I was having. It was probably just the ligaments. I'd already spoken to the hospital and, you know, they're normally right. Um, as the evening sort of carried on and my ex-husband came home, the pains were more intense. Having had two miscarriages before, I knew what these pains meant and I knew what was happening. And I knew that I was going into premature labor. Um, I didn't really know what to do in complete panic I phoned my dad and uh, you'll see also <laughs> as my story goes on there are a few things that my 
memory has decided to block out. Um, I don't know if that's to do with dealing with trauma or it go, goes into a filing cabinet and only comes out when it's needed or, or whatever, but I'm not, not, I don't know, I'm not a shrink, but I've forgotten little details, um, but remember obviously some of the bigger ones. I, um, I called my dad, he must have called my mum, I called an ambulance sent it to my house it now turns out as well that my dad actually originally sent the ambulance to his house um but i think that's because he asked me where i was i said i was at home and obviously home to him is their house um as the ambulance arrived so did my mum and oh gosh i remember walking down the stairs and she was coming up the stairs at the same time and we just looked at each other and we knew what was happening. Um, you just knew. You just knew that this wasn't going to end well. You just knew that this is what we knew what these pains meant. We knew what was happening. We knew why we needed to get to the hospital. And you hear of miracles, but we we're pretty sure that we knew what was going to happen. Um, yeah, so the paramedics, oh my gosh, they were so lovely. One of the, one of the men, he was just so sweet. Um, he was doing all the checking me over and asking me questions and getting me comfortable in the ambulance. And he was quite, he was trying to be reassuring, telling me that this might not be what's happening, might not be the worst, might be able to get there and you know, and it stops and the hospital is the best place for you to go to. So that's where I'm going to take you. Um, they turn the blue lights on. Um, I don't know whether it was because of the traffic or whether they thought that maybe I should get there quicker. Um, I remember thinking, it's nothing to do with the traffic, you're lying. I know you just want to get me there quickly because, because it's not good, but Either way, that's what they told me. Um, again, I don't... Dad turned up at the hospital. It all seemed like at the same time. Um, and I was taken into a side room. And there's a big birthing pool in it and a giant yoga ball thing and obviously a place you normally in in that room because you know you're having a nice hypnobirth maybe and and not because you're in there because you've gone, gone into labor at 22 weeks but hey that's where they put me um doctor came in to see me the consultant um she came in to examine me um she was heavily pregnant which is allowed to be obviously but when you can you know, when you know what's happening to you, the last person you actually want to see is a, is a pregnant woman telling you that your cervix has dilated five centimetres. And did you fully understand what that meant? Of course, I fully understood what it meant. It meant that my baby was coming and that, you know, we weren't going to be able to stop it. Um, I suffer really bad with migraines at this point, a migraine setting, obviously. Um, I had all the 
visual disturbances and the horrible aura and the nausea, uh, feeling nauseous, um, get really uh, disorientated and confused when I have a migraine as well. So I was pretty disorientated and confused and obviously just very sad, just crying. Um, so that's sort of like when the labor started to progress, when people say that like, there's no pain, like childbirth, like they're serious. Those contractions is the worst physical pain I've ever experienced. But obviously where I was, I was also experiencing the most, you know, horrific, um, emotional pain as well. Um, anyway, so it was progressing quite quickly and the, um, contractions were coming a lot quicker, um, a lot more intense. And my mum actually said to the midwife or the consultant, I can't remember, you know, I think she's actually a lot further along than we realise. Um, and they were explaining the sort of like the next stages and they talked about, um, obviously having a natural vaginal birth. And my mum was like, what do you mean you're going to have a going to give birth you know she's not going to have a cesarean and you know they said no because the most natural way of your body recovering after having a baby is if you have the baby naturally um you know and it will know that you're not pregnant anymore and it will recover in the normal way so yeah so ended up knowing then that i wasn't going to have a cesarean um don't know why but they didn't want me to deliver in that room so we went into another room uh they put me in a wheelchair but I couldn't sit down um after telling them that I couldn't sit down but they put me in the wheelchair anyway sort of holding myself up on like the sides of the wheelchair because I couldn't sit down um anyway we got into the what was now the delivery room um we, I mean, two midwives, my mum, my dad, and my ex-husband. Um, having not experienced real labour before, um, I knew that what was coming was the baby's head, but I kept saying the words, something's coming, there's something there. Um, also something to mention is that my waters hadn't actually broken at this point either. Um, but obviously she was very small anyway. Um, so I'm not sure how many centimetres I was actually dilated in the end. Um, but I only needed uh, one push and she, she came. Um, she was born in the sack. Um, so I felt her come and then I felt the midwives cut the sack and the water. Um, and the waters break. Um, and then, yeah, she was just lying there. Um, we didn't know we were having a girl. Um, I was convinced she was a boy and actually <laughs> apologised to her saying, oh, you know, mummy's so sorry that I thought that you were going to be a boy and not a girl. Um, I had loads of boys' names in my mind. Bump even had a nickname that was a boy's name. Um, so there was sort of like, um, I don't really know who, who did it first, but there was a, it's a girl, it's a girl. What do you mean it's a girl? It's a girl? Oh, I've got a girl. Uh, the doctor looked her over, um, obviously just to confirm that she 
wasn't viable um, and that she was going to take a few breaths um, and that she did have a heartbeat but once the breathing stopped and her heart stopped so that they wouldn't resuscitate her um, so that she gave her straight to me and I still had a migraine um, and I remember saying to my parents that I couldn't see her properly um, you know I had to look at her and I had to really concentrate and I've got a blind spot from the stroke as well so I look at lots of things with one eye anyway um, dad took some pictures of her mum took some pictures of her um, just so that we could re obviously remember what she looked like um, passed around the room and obviously my ex held her my parents held her we got some photos um, of us holding her um, my dad stepped outside um, just to tell my brothers what had happened I'm not sure if he if he phoned them or text them um, but I do remember him saying that he told them not to come up because it was too sad and it was sad it is sad um, anyway they, they did end up coming um, my ex mother-in-law brother-in-law and his partner they came up to see her as well um, yeah, so then we moved into um, what we now know as the Sands room. Um, Sands, um, they're a you know a brilliant charity. They really, really helped me and and my family over the last couple of years, and obviously helped me on that on that day as well. Um, so in the Sands room, there's a when I was there an ensuite and a double bed and a TV and a sofa bed um, some nice pictures on the wall you know not that I can actually remember what the pictures looked like um, so took took us into the sands room and they took Isabella off um, oh yeah also before she was taken away we decided that we better name her um, my mum was like, we, we, you know, we need to, we need to name her. You need to think of a name for her. You know, obviously we're all thinking like, oh, crikey, like time is of the essence, you know, like she's not going to be here for very long. She may have already actually gone. Um, we won't know because she wasn't hooked up to any uh, machines or any equipment or anything. And, you know, obviously at least the, one of the four of us were holding her when she did actually take her last breath. Um, so went through a few names. I liked Arabella. <laughs> My ex liked Annabelle. Um, so anyway, we we came to Isabella. Um, and Eden is her middle name, Isabella Eden. Um, then we, so they took her away um, so that they could make our memory bag. Um, I was still bleeding quite heavily. Um, and still in quite a bit of pain so um, I got changed put me on the bed hooked me up uh, to the you know the morphine machine um, they brought her back uh, when they brought her back in they had created a memory bag and in the bag was um, a scented candle I think it was I think it's called cotton blanket a scented candle um, two little bears two 
charms of little bears um and then some you know leaflets and, and stuff about you know what to expect next or what to do next um also in there um was a plaster cast of one of her feet um and her hand and footprints and then um like a a sans version of a birth certificate which is how i know how heavy she was and um and stuff like that um also a little i think there was a name tag in there oh i can't remember um so she came back and she had a um she had a little cardigan on and a nappy and she was wrapped in a blanket and wrapped uh, and then sort of in a little mini baby's Moses basket for like dolls. Um, that's when my brothers came up um, and that's when uh, some of the my ex's family came up. Um, yeah, and just held her and spoke to her and, and kissed her and, and we spoke about her and talked about the birth a little bit. Um, yeah, really, it's their chance to say hello and goodbye to her, and it was pretty sad. Yeah, I mean, I can tell my story now without bursting into tears. Um, but she died six years ago, so you know, a lot's happened. I've, I've, you know, I find it easier to talk about it now. You know, six weeks out. Well, I couldn't even open my curtains, you know, I couldn't get out of bed. So I'm remembering all this time and it was incredibly sad, but I can talk about her now. I talk about her, her story, her journey and, and, you know, and how, how it changed me as a, as a person. Um, and everything that she happened with her, you know, then sort of mapped out the, the rest of my life, really the last six years. Um, so at that time in the sands room, they, um, they didn't have what's called a cold cot, um, pretty standard, um, <laughs> you know, it says what it is on the tin. Um, it's a, a cot that keeps a dead baby cool so that you can, um, spend more time with the baby. The baby can sleep in the room with you, um, and obviously not start to deteriorate um so they didn't have one at the time so um the midwife strongly suggested that she didn't spend the night with us um that she needed to be going you know she needed to be kept cool um so before she left us um for the for the night um we managed to find the um hospital chaplain and he came uh, to bless her um, you know, to give her a christening, you know, to, to name her. Um, that was nice. He was actually, he actually then went on to perform Isabella's funeral, um, for us a couple of weeks later. So that was nice, um, that we knew who, you know, we, we knew him, um, and that he'd met her and blessed her and then he was going to help with her funeral. Um, so then, um, 
everybody left except my ex and then obviously even in the end she left the midwife took her off to to be kept cool um and we tried to get some sleep um i mean i was still in quite a bit of pain um and confused and sad and my mind is racing and you feel like you're having an out-of-body experience you can't quite believe that it's happened you can't believe that it's real um especially when my ex fell asleep like you know i just felt so incredibly alone um it was raining and i turned all the lights out and the rain was just hitting the, the window and i didn't get any sleep at all i just sat up just sat up all night just silently crying <laughs> waiting until i felt like it was going to be an appropriate time to call the midwife to bring her back in you know and i think it got to maybe like seven o'clock and my ex woke up and i was like right you, you need to phone you need to phone the midwife and get her to bring her back now because obviously we don't have a lot more time with, you know we don't have a lot of time with her um they brought her back in um and then my parents turned up again um the time that we did have with her like i put her inside my pajamas and just left her there and kept her warm and one of the things that my mum says was that obviously when i passed her around so that my mum and dad could say goodbye to her again um is that my mum was like she's it's so weird because she's warm because she's been on your skin so she doesn't feel you know like a cold dead baby she feels warm um just nice um yeah so um even before my yeah i think even before my parents got there we um like i said we had an ensuite in the room so um we um wanted to give her a bath so we took took all of her clothes off um and my ex ran a bath got in the bath and then um she got in the bath with him um and we got some photos of them two in the bath together um my parents came back up yeah then to say goodbye to her again properly and you know we'd taken all of her clothes off so that we could just have a look at her body and and just try and remember that she was you know here and she was real and kissed her from head to toe she had a hairline <laughs> she had eyebrows um perfect little nose perfect little lips she was completely formed but just extremely small so she had fingers and toes and toenails um you know belly button nipples <laughs> um and i just i just kissed her body all over and just told her that i loved her and that you know that i was sorry that i couldn't take her home and that I was never going to forget about her and I was going to talk about her often and yeah see I said that oh I can tell the story without crying but obviously it's still sad 
Definitely because I'd had two miscarriages before. And just because of me as a person, my personal opinion is that I've never really been a fan of baby showers. Um, baby showers or buying things for the baby too early, finding out the sex of the baby. Um, because I always, me personally, just thought that you, you just had to wait. You had to wait until your baby was born so that you knew what the sex was, you knew so that you knew what to call your baby because you needed to look at your baby and see you know, who your baby was before you named your baby. And because of that, I hadn't bought a single thing for her. Um, so then when she, when we left the hospital, she was still in one of the donated cardigans. Um, so my parents, my mum, knew how I felt about um, buying things early for anyone's baby um I still don't do it now um she'd actually been knitting a blanket um ready for my baby and she the night she was born she went home and she quickly finished it so that she could bring it up to the hospital the next day so that she could be buried with the blanket um but like my mum being able to get those words out, she just pulled out a blanket and I knew what she was trying to say, even if the words weren't coming out. Um, so when we left her, she was actually wrapped in that blanket. Um, and I still have a patch of that myself as well. Um, that I have, that I sleep with every night in my bed. Uh, it still smells of her after all this time. Um, yeah, so we told the midwives that we were ready to go. Um, said one final goodbye to her. And um, yeah, our midwife carried her out of the sands room and she went, you know, she went left and, and we went right and left the hospital without a baby for the third time. <sighs> we went home and um, I don't even really remember if I was crying. I certainly wasn't sobbing. I did a lot of silent crying, what I call silent crying, um, where you just <laughs> sit in silence and tears just roll down your face. Um, just felt empty, really, really empty. I was physically empty <laughs> and emotionally empty and my heart was empty, my heart was broken. I felt like I'd left everything at the hospital, not just her, I left. I left myself at the hospital. Not all of me came home. But still, we'll never come home. 
like I said, that was um, in 2014. Um, so shortly after her first birthday, um, my marriage ended. If I'm brutally honest, I think that the day she was born was the beginning of the end for my marriage. Um, but we'll worry about that on another episode. <laughs> um, but then at the beginning of 2016, um, got back in contact with uh, an old school friend called Rob and uh, we've been together ever since. And uh, we live in our house in West Sussex <laughs> and um, Rob and I don't have any children. Um, so up until the end of 2019, I had, uh, I'd been cabin crew for 12 and a half years. And, um, and now I, I'm a support worker. And after the year that everybody had last year, um, I just thought we, we needed a new platform and this was going to be one of the new platforms that we could start talking about our babies. Um, so that people don't feel so alone. It's a very lonely place to be. You feel like it's you're the only person that's happened to. You're the only person that's ever had a miscarriage. You're the only person who's ever left the hospital without a baby. You're the only person that had to organise your baby's funeral. You're the only person whose marriage has ended. And what I'm trying to say is you're not the only person that it happened to. And this is why I'm here. And this is why I wanted to start this podcast. So as I start to tell you more about my baby loss journey um, and everything that happened, you know, before, during and after um, Isabella, um, you'll, you'll get to know that uh, my parents are still a big part of my life. You'll get to know that Isabella's has never been forgotten and will never be forgotten and that her afterlife journey continues. Thank you so much for finding the Baby Loss Podcast and listening to my story and remembering Isabella. If you would like to be a guest on my podcast and share your baby's story, or if you would like your Baby Loss charity featured, then please get in touch by searching Baby Loss Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and my YouTube channel. If you have been affected by today's episode, then please reach out. SANS can be reached via their website, sans.org.uk, spelled S-A-N-D-S, and of course their Facebook page. If you require immediate help, you can call the Samaritans 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for free, on 116 123. Thank you for listening, and see you next time.